fun to be around and I'm thankful for your friendship and stuff. So I know some things might weird you out. I don't know. But it's just because there are, okay, that's good. Um, There are things that can be weird. Like, I mean, there are weirder people in the world. (laughs) But but Christians can be very weird as well. So I understand that if if anything comes across um, strange, like, yeah. Well, Methodist, well, it might be a little different than Charismania, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, the Spirit just moves in a lot of different ways, and we, we welcome that. We welcome the Holy Spirit to move here, and because we recognize, like we shared last week, Jesus came and then said he had to go to the Father. The reason why is so that the Holy Spirit could come. He said he would get to the Father and so that he could ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's so cool. That that was like one of his priorities. I know I just got all goosed up. But because of he wanted his presence indwelling in each one of us so that we could walk in the same power and authority with which through which he walked in which he walked, because he had the spirit of the living God within him. Remember when he got baptized, they saw the spirit descend on him like a dove. And he walked in power and authority, healing the sick, preaching the gospel, seeing people come in, loving the lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he was he made a way through his flesh for us to access the Father and have the Spirit come. And that's like an incredible thing and now we can live with his spirit inside of us. And that's a powerful thing. This whole week um I kept hearing in my mind and my heart, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And we know the scriptures from Ephesians 6 um we wrestle not against flesh and bl- blood. And I was thinking it was kind of interesting that, you know, we were talking about Palm Sunday where Jesus comes in and all of his victory on a donkey and he's fulfilling all this prophecy and people are yelling, Hosanna, which means deliver us, Messiah, the one who's supposed to come to save, deliver us. And then the next week they're crying out in five days from that, they're crying out, crucify him to deliver them. They had no idea that his crucifixion would be their deliverance, but that Jesus in that moment put the enemy under his feet and he crushed the head of the serpent, right? That's what was prophesied from the very beginning of time in Genesis. It says that the serpent would bruise her heel, but she would crush, her seed would crush his head. And that seed was Jesus, the Messiah to come. And he, through that act, he crushed the enemy, defeated him for all time under his feet. But yet, in Ephesians, 
it says, we wrestle still. And that just hit me in a certain way, like, wow, Jesus defeated all things. So I want to read this today. And um, when I was thinking about it, all of scripture, I had so much scripture. I'm like, I can't just be reading all these random passages because as I started to look, I'm like, the whole Bible speaks about God as our warrior, the one who fights on our behalf. We're not able to do it on our own. He is our strength from the very beginning of time. Like Second Chronicles, right? That's early, early on in the wars. It says in Second Chron- Chronicles 2015, the angel says, do not fear or be discouraged. The battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. And they were speaking about a natural battle. It was something happening in the natural where war was about to happen. But the angel says, don't look at what's in the natural because it belongs to God who is in the supernatural realm. And he is above all things. He's a mighty warrior. He will win. He will win. And then you look at Psalms chapter 108. I'm going to read the couple verses here. I'm going to just jump through a bunch of verses and and land in Ephesians 6. But Psalm 108 says, Through God, it's the last couple of verses, um, verse 12 and 13, Oh, give us help. This is David crying out to God. Oh, God, give us help against our adversary, for deliverance by man is in vain. Through God we will do valiantly, and it is he who shall tread down our adversaries. So they're constantly reminding ourselves from the very beginning, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. It's God who fights for you. And if he fights for you, that means victories in your future. (laughs) Because God doesn't lose. He never loses. He's never lost a battle his entire life. When he steps in to fight for us, he will win because his name is victory. He is victorious. He is the victorious one. So he constantly says, no matter what your battle is, so we cry out. David says, give us help against the adversary, for I know deliverance by man is in vain. Natural things can't deliver me. People can't deliver me. It is God who will deliver me, and through him I will do valiantly. And he, why will I do valiantly through him? Because he is the one who treads my adversaries. He is the one who defeats them on my behalf. In 1 John 3, 8, it says, The reason the Son of God appeared was what? To destroy the works of the devil. The reason why Jesus came was to crush the enemy. That was his purpose. Under his feet, our foe, our adversaries, since the beginning of time, Jesus came to say, No more. I am drawing the line. There's been too much captivity, too much bondage. I'm coming to set the captive free. And in Ephesians 4, before we get to 6, Ephesians 4, 8 through 10, specifically verse 8 in the Amplified says, Therefore, when he ascended on high, Jesus, meaning after the crucifixion, remember, he showed himself to a bunch of people. He said, touch me, touch my hands, touch my feet. Uh, The holes are real, right? I am risen from from the dead. And he showed himself to multitudes of people, and then he rose up on high. He ascended in front of all these people. 
So then verse 8, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. And what that literally means is that he led a train of vanquished foes. Now, isn't that amazing? I just have this picture of when Jesus is ascending on high, he has this line of vanquished foes, the adversary, the enemy behind him, all in captivity. He led them captive because of what he did on the cross. What an amazing picture of our God fighting our adversary for us. What we could not do on our own, Christ did for us. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. He led a train of vanquished foes, and he bestowed gifts on them. The goodness of our God, right? He not only conquered our enemies, but then he gave us gifts. A major one, all through the Holy Spirit. So every gift that we have is by the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. He gave gifts to men. So all this to say, God from the beginning of time has wanted to be our mighty warrior, the one who fights for us, the one who conquers, and he's always called us from all time. He's called us back to say, don't do it on your own. What are you, silly? Like, you're not going to win. That is way too much enemy for you. Fight, but fight in me. Let me fight on your behalf. Remember Gideon? Gideon's in the wine press, crushing the grapes and hiding Because of the attack on Israel, an angel of the Lord shows up to him and says, Oh, mighty, valiant warrior. And Gideon's like, who, me? I'm hiding right now. Like, why are you calling me a valiant warrior? And how many times have we felt like that, right? When God points us out and we're like, what? I'm hiding right now. I'm fearful. I'm anxious. I'm worried. And he says, yes, you're you're the one. Because he's not, he wants to show himself strong. He doesn't want a bunch of people that are like, we can do this by ourselves. He wants a people that are dependent on him that say, we can't do it. We're actually hiding in fear from the enemy. And he says, Gideon, come in my name. You're going to win. Call the troops of Israel. He calls them all together. And we know the story. It's like God keeps telling them, it's too many people. You have too many warriors. Cut them back. Cut them back. Cut them back till he has 300 left to fight thousands. And Gideon's like, I mean, I, I can imagine myself in that position being like, ah, are you sure you want less? Because I am like scared to death and there's 300 people and we're all going to die. But the fact was Gideon looked to God knowing that God was the mighty warrior God who does not lose. And God said, no, cut him back, cut him back because I want to be seen. This is going to show that I'm the one who fights for you. It's not you. When I choose you, it's because I want to display my glory through you so that people will see me in you and give glory to the Father because of who he is and what he's done, his goodness. That nothing's impossible. That's why we sang that song this morning. Nothing shall be impossible with God. Of course nothing shall be. He's creator of all things. If we're only to remind ourselves of the greatness of God, he created all things. All authority belongs to him. All dominion belongs to him. If we fix our eyes on him, of course nothing's going to be impossible. So he, he has all of our foes vanquished. But then we land in Ephesians 6, verse 10. 
one more verse I wanted to read. Uh, Psalm 44, 5. Through you we will push back our adversaries. Through your name we will trample down those who rise up against us. There are a million verses. That's why I was like, I'm going to be flipping all over if I write down every verse that talks like that. But it was through you we will defeat him. Through your name, through your name, we will defeat our adversaries. Now, that's not talking about in the natural, right? Uh, When we say through his name, we've entered into this supernatural realm where God dwells. His name. In Philippians 2, it says he went to the lowest place by death on a cross to be exalted to the highest place and be given the name which is above all all names and that at his name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that was because of what he did on the cross he was given a name that's above every other name and we enter the spiritual realm that through his name all things shall be done why do we declare healing in his name because it's in in his name that there's power to heal he was wounded for us that we might be healed He gave authority to his disciples to heal the sick through his name. Because his name was everything that he is. It's a supernatural realm. In Ephesians 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. So when Jesus defeated the enemy through the cross, he wasn't saying there's no more battle. What that meant for us was that now we have the victory in him through Christ Jesus. That in him, we will always win. When we resist the enemy, he will flee from us. That's what James says, right? Resist the enemy. Resist him. And he will flee from you. You will not be running from him. We don't run from the enemy. We resist him and he flees from us, not because of us, but because of Christ in us, the victor, the one who defeated the enemy. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist. It says to resist the enemy, but what enables us to resist is this armor of God. Having done everything, Stand your ground. Stand firm. Stand firm, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all these, take up this shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So 
Paul is making it clear to the church of Ephesus. Now, Paul is the one writing that letter, and he's in a jail in Rome for preaching the gospel. He's not sitting in some palace saying, oh, you know, there's warfare, fight hard. I'm just outside of it because I'm Paul, the apostle. No, he's in chains for the gospel. That's what happens in other nations. Tommy was saying he's thankful to have been born in this nation. We don't realize what a blessing that is because of what happens in other nations when you're a believer. In China, people fighting. Why do you think that is? This is a spiritual battle. The spiritual realm recognizes the church in Christ has power to transform, and the enemy is going to come against that in any way that he can. So Paul is in Rome, imprisoned for preaching the gospel. What? Why would anybody in the natural care that he's saying Jesus saves? It's not because people in the natural care. It's because the enemy hates those that belong to Christ, and he hates Christ. And so he influences any with open doors to, to come against it, to stand against the work of the Lord. And he's saying the battle here is not against flesh and blood. It's against a spirit. It's in a spiritual realm. The heavenly places is what he calls it. The heavenly places. Our warfare is in the heavenly places. That's why when we pray over Terry, we're saying, Lord, encounter her, but we take authority over the spiritual powers in the heavenly places over her home. We command light and truth in the heavenly places over her, her home because our battle is in the spiritual realm above because we know if we can break through up here, what's coming down? Heaven. When we break through, when we release his word, what comes down is heaven. Now, when I was studying this, what I thought was so cool is I, I've never heard this before in my entire life. Maybe you have already. But the, the armor of God mentioned here was prophesied that Jesus would put on beforehand. I had no idea that that happened. I just thought it was like armor that Paul came up with. But it was actually in Scripture being prophesied about Jesus that Jesus would put on these armor. And so I'm going to read those, those passages, um, and they're all in Isaiah, just because I think it's so cool. And the reason why I think it's so cool is because Jesus did a work for us. He put on the armor first in order to stand firm and resist the enemy, so much so that he became victorious and put the enemy under his feet. And now he says, I want you to put the same armor on so that any time the spiritual realm sees you, they see me. And they remember what I did, that Christ put on the armor first. And so when they see us in the armor, they're seeing the glory of the risen one in the earth. I could cry. <laughs> that is so exciting. I get so excited. Isaiah. Whew. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5. Now this is all prophesying about Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. And it says, Verse 5, righteousness will be the belt around his loins and faithfulness the belt around his waist. 
okay? First piece of armor, the belt around our waist that we put on. Then Isaiah chapter 49, verse 2. And I guess scholars just knew this already. Like, even if you were, like, they just know that what Paul was writing about, when he wrote about that, he knew Jews would understand what he was talking about, which is also super cool because they were so studied in the word. Isaiah 49, verse 2. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. This is talking about Jesus, right? And we know in the end of times it says when you see Jesus on the throne, that vision, what did it say? There's a sword, a double-edged sword coming from his mouth, which is the word of God. What is our weapon in Ephesians 6? The sword. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's coming for every word that proceeds from his mouth. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. He has also made me like a select arrow and has hidden me in his quiver. It goes on to talk about Jesus and it's prophesying about him. And then the last one is Isaiah 59, verses 16 and 17. So the Lord, this is talking about the Lord looking down into the earth, and he says, he saw that there was no man and was astonished that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought salvation to him, and his righteousness upheld him, speaking of Jesus. He saw that there was no man that could intercede, that could come in between and plead on our behalf. So he sends his own arm, his Jesus, he sends him for our salvation. He put on righteousness like a breastplate. What does it say we put on? The breastplate of righteousness. He put on righteousness like a breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head. (laughs) And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing. And he wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. According to their deeds, he will repay wrath to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. So they will fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. A redeemer will come to Zion. Speaking of Jesus. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit, right? So he's talking about Jesus coming, saving us. And then he says, my spirit is my covenant, which is upon you. And my words, which I put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, says the Lord, from now and forever. And then Isaiah 60, arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. He came. He was the light that came. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and salvation as a helmet. And he's calling us to do the same thing, to display who he is in the earth. I just want to talk about these pieces of armor before we end here. 
So recognizing that this is extremely important that we put on the armor of God because we are in a spiritual battle still that he has already won, but we're still fighting it here. And that's why when, I mean, yesterday and this past week, I've been brought to tears multiple times by Marie's testimony. Honestly, I, I was sitting with the Lord the other day just, you know, talking to him, and I'm like, God, only you, only you can deliver us from anxiety. There's no one, there's no medication, there's no person that can deliver us from fear and anxiety, but God comes in and he sees how sick that makes us, and he delivers us. And the, the testimony of Jay and Marie, right? So the, the stuff with their truck first. Oh, car first, but then the truck. I'm just talking even just this past week. And then the flooding of their house. And in between those two things, we had a, a laughter break out at the house where it was the refreshing of God. And I don't know about you, but I felt so refreshed. Marie was laughing. First, Jay got it going. But then it was like it turned into this moment in the presence of God that was not just like natural laughter. It was the refreshing laughter of God that was like, (gasps) he's among us. Like we may have started in the natural, but we ended in the spirit in that laughter, right? And then their house gets flooded. And Marie comes, and she's, we're picking, doing a food pickup, and she's like, did you hear? And I said, oh, my gosh, yeah, Renee, Renee just told me. And she laughs. And I'm thinking, oh, why are you laughing? And she's like, why? You know, I saw this happen, but I'm not going to get up, let me down. Oh, we see this as the enemy, and we're not going to let it get us down. We have so much peace. We have so much joy. And this is the testimony. God delivered me from fear and anxiety and worry. When we first met Marie, she expressed times of worry or anxiety concerning finances or different things and Terry, whatever. And then there was a moment when Kayla and Stephen joined the church and Kayla got a picture for Marie of Jesus taking her faith. And there was a breakthrough in that moment, right? When God encounters us, there's a breakthrough. And from that moment, Marie has not been the same person in that area in her life. And I cry about it because I said, that is the wrestle that we're in right now, where we see this natural thing around us and we say, ha, my God is bigger. I will not let the enemy use anything in the natural to cause depression or anxiety or fear because my inner man is being renewed by the spirit of the living God. And I can laugh in the face of my enemy knowing he is my provider. I'm putting the helmet of salvation on my mind to protect my thoughts. He is my savior. He will save me and deliver me from all my issues. I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness. He writes standing before God that that guards my heart. It's our heart that condemns us, is it not? So we put on the breastplate of righteousness that it's not my own righteousness that makes me right before God. It's the righteousness of Christ because of what he's done on the cross. It's guarding my heart in Christ Jesus from any way the enemy would try to condemn me. It is not my own. It is him. It is Christ in me. I put on the belt of truth 
to gird my loins, the truth, the word of God, what he says, who he is. I take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And when the enemy comes at us and says, ha ha, your house is flooded. Ha ha, your truck is broken down. You don't have money to pay for it. You take up the word of God that says, Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. I will slay every lie of the enemy with the sword that he's given me, the shield of faith to protect us from those arrows of the enemy, the flaming arrows. It's my faith in who God is and his word that says, no, I will not allow you to attack me with your stupid lies, doubt, unbelief, and confusion. Those are the arrows that come against our faith. If you're in doubt, if you're in confusion, if you're in unbelief, those are the arrows of the enemy, and you raise the shield of faith in Christ Jesus, in the work that he's done, and we stand firm, then we're able to resist. And then the enemy, when we resist, covered in the, oh, oh, and the feet shod, with the gospel, the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I love how the Amplified Version says it. It says, and having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with a firm-footed stability and promptness and readiness that's produced by the good news. Does not the good news of who Christ is and what he's done for us produce produce a stability in us to stand we're ready oh the enemy's gonna come i'm ready because i'm in the gospel right we talked about the gospel weeks back where we throw our life away it's not our life anymore i'm alive in christ and i'm ready to stand because of who he is not because of who i am because of who he is i'm ready that's the gospel the good news we're ready for war And then the enemy sees us as we resist, and they don't see us. They see him, the glorious one. Bethany has a picture on her phone, which I love. It's like this massive lion and a little lion cub. And it's like, this is our dad, the massive lion. And he he sends us out as the cub right in front, and we're like, meow, meow. And that's our resisting. You know, that's what it looks like. But what the enemy sees is this big, roaring lion that fights for us that has won. And he's just like, and the enemy flees. I know. I am ridiculous. Someone said I sound ridiculous. I noticed the other day that, no, I know, on the recordings, sometimes I talk to you guys because you'll say something to me. But the recording doesn't hear you, so it just sounds like I'm having some weird off conversation, so I'll have to say, what did you say? Because I'm ridiculous. Um, Anyway, but this is the, yeah, (laughs) can you hear it? Jay said hallelujah. (laughs) But this is the power that's in Christ that we now have because of what he's done. So we don't have to fix our eyes on what's happening in the natural. When we see something happen in the natural, we get this other thing that's produced in us because of the other the holy spirit that's living and dwelling inside of us we're girded we look like christ as warriors right running out to battle we saw end game yesterday 
and I nearly cried. I don't want to give any spoilers for those who haven't seen it, but there's a massive war scene, and I was brought to tears, and I always get brought to tears at war scenes where, like, the good side all of a sudden's like, voila, and you're just like, God, that is what it looks like in the supernatural realm. When we come out, we're like, glorious, Jesus, we're on the winning side. We've read the end of the book. We win. We win. Kayla, did you have something to say? If so, come say it in the mic so it can be. I know. I just don't want to have to repeat it all. <laughs> okay, if it's quick. Hi, this is a prayer that I used to say every single, literally every single morning. Um, I think that was really funny, made an exciting one again, because he gave me the verse Ephesians 6.10 yesterday. So when you said it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to try and read it. Um, okay, next slide. <laughs> Heavenly Father, your warrior prepares for battle. Today, I claim victory over Satan by putting on the whole armor of God. I put on the girdle of truth. May I stand firm in the truth of your word so I will not be a victim of Satan's lies. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. May it guard my heart from evil so I will remain pure and holy, protected under the blood of Jesus Christ. I put on the shoes of peace. May I stand firm in the good news of the gospel so your peace will shine through me and be a light to all I encounter. I take the shield of faith. May I be ready for Satan's fiery darts of doubt, denial, and deceit so I will not be vulnerable to spiritual defeat. I put on the helmet of salvation. May I keep my mind focused on you so Satan will not have a stronghold on my thoughts. I take the sword of the Spirit. May the two-edged sword of your word be ready in my hands so I can expose the tempting words of Satan. By faith, your warrior has put on the whole armor of God and prepared to live this day in spiritual victory. And it really makes a difference when you physically, or when you, in prayer, I feel like that's the last part of the armor is prayer, putting on the armor in prayer, out loud. Amen, amen. And then we stand firm in that truth. And we pray, like she said, the next thing is then make prayers and petitions at all times to the saints. And so, Father, we just thank you today that you've done this for us already, that even though we're in a battle, that you've girded us with the armor that displays who you are and what you've done, that the enemy and the spiritual realm sees this glorious kingdom of God, of priests and prophets that declare who you are, who declare who you are in our everyday day-to-day stuff. God, we just thank you that you're constantly 
displaying light and truth through us, God. So I pray that in whatever way it should look like for each one of us, God, that you would show us how we can be um, aware of putting on the armor regularly, remaining in the armor, God, reminding ourselves of what you've done and dressing ourselves, putting it on regularly, Lord. We love you, Jesus, and thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for today. Seal this word in our hearts and in our spirit that it would transform us into your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen.